Do you have bathrooms here or do I have to shit in a plant? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fucking idiot, red-shirted ass. You guys think you're so fucking cool. It makes me sick. Let's go make fun of the vegans and their crazy lifestyle. We're not hurting anyone. Go eat a hamburger and choke on a cow dick. Oh, someone missed their yoga class this morning. I, I'm sure you, you've you've heard some of the rumors circulating around the hallways about how we're going to be doing a house cleaning with some of the software people. Well, Bob, I have heard that, and you got to do what you got to do. We're going to be getting rid of these people here. Uh, first, Mr. Samir Naga. Not going to work here anymore anyway. <laughs> Mike Bolton. Everybody's going to miss him. You're going to lay off Samir and Michael. Oh, yeah, we're going to bring in some uh, entry-level graduates, farm some work out to Singapore, as usual deal. Work standard operating procedure. Do they know this yet? No, no, of course not. <laughs> we find it's always better to fire people on a Friday. And studies have statistically shown that there's less chance of an incident if you do it at the end of the week. Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which... It seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, Aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. I'm in my Ain't it cool?
Before you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. What's up, everyone? DJ Anubis here with you on the Metal Time Radio Podcast. Continuing my top 100 all-time favorite metal songs. This time we were doing 60 through 41. Episode 3 of this. If you caught the first two, then you already know where we're at. Uh, I know it's been kind of a pain in the ass that I've taken my time with this, but... You know, like as we stated a while back between Echo and I, spending more time on the YouTube part of it and still doing my top five uh, new albums of the week. So I give you little clips of the songs, little fun minute trailers, basically, that I give you of those uh, albums that I really enjoyed for that week. Some of those records will end up on my best of uh, 2023, but for the most part, it's just the best that I heard that week. So it doesn't necessarily mean that all those albums will end up on my favorites of the year. So... But, uh, hopefully you're enjoying that. Hopefully you're enjoying this uh, podcast. Once I'm done with the top 100, I'll get back to doing various uh, different uh, podcasts and episodes for you when we can do them with Neko coming back and everything. So, might get more like Thrash Zone or the Meat Grinder or even Nocturnal Pulse with the black metal stuff. It just depends on how we feel at that time. But, uh, yeah, so that's where we are with this. Um Things coming up for YouTube, uh, just to let you know. Next Wednesday, um, Mr. Poet and I are going to be doing our picks for the March Madness bracket. All 68 teams. Selection Sunday is happening this Sunday. And right now, as a UVA fan, Virginia Cavalier fan, um, they are in the midst of their uh, ACC tournament uh, right now. So... UVA beat North Carolina last night, play Clemson today at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, even though Virginia's already in the tournament because they have a record good enough to get there, I think their defeat of uh, the Carolina uh, Tar Heels has knocked them out probably. But you never know. Carolina sometimes gets a nod because they're a pretty reputable school, So, especially with basketball. Um so, yeah, Wednesday we'll be doing our picks for, you know, the whole tournament all the way down to who the champion will be. It'll be a lot of fun with him. Uh, and then Friday, the 17th, I will be appearing on Sci-Fi Century's channel to with some other uh, paneled guests to talk Godzilla 2014. We're going we're gonna to talk all about that film, break it down a little bit, how our feelings on it are in the MonsterVerse. And I know he's going to do one for King of the Monsters down the road and probably will do one for Godzilla and Kong after that. So kind of in preparation for the new Monarch series that will be coming out uh, soon as well as another uh, Godzilla vs. Kong 2. I don't know. There's different theories on how that movie is going to go. So there's no real concrete evidence ex exactly how it's going to play out. But again, we're going to probably have another baddie. Another... Another squabble with Godzilla and Kong, probably. That's the whole point of that sometimes. 
Uh, and then on the 24th, my birthday, which is two weeks from now, uh, I will be, again, hosting uh, a live event on YouTube. And we'll have some of these same guests for Century Channel show up on my channel that night. And we are going to rank all 33 live-action Godzilla films uh, from 33 on down to one and then uh it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of a lengthy show depending on how much we talk about each film i don't think we really have to break everything down but the reality is is that i don't think anyone's really done it like you know as far as like a, a discussion and i'm curious of where they're gonna play stuff and uh how they feel about my my top list as well so be looking for that busy month in that regard all right well we're going to start at number 60 here. And, uh, you know, it's always been controversial with me with this because I, I actually am a Zach Wilde fan as a guitarist. A lot of people feel like he's overrated. Uh, sometimes I wonder if that's just because, you know, when he came to Ozzy back in 89, uh, there was this talk I remember at the time because I was a teenager then, and there was this talk that he was like the second coming of Randy Rhodes. And, you know, and I think that's unfair because this is what happened with Jake E. Lee, too, because Jake came in after Randy died, and there was always, there's already this pressure on him to somehow outshine Randy, which everyone, you know, there's like these gatekeepers of Randy Rhodes. I love Randy Rhodes. I think he was a great guitarist, very talented, and died way too young. But people act like there just can't be other great guitars. And I'm just like, are you fucking mad? And so it's weird because, again, people, when they talk about, you know, any kind of Zach Wild era Ozzy albums, like, I love No Rest for the Wicked. That's my favorite fucking record of Ozzy's catalog, top to bottom. Uh, you can argue that it was maybe catered more to mainstream stuff at the time, but the reality is Ozzy was always kind of like a a very radio-friendly kind of uh, songwriter or lyricist. Because, like, even though he had a lot of controversy around him with, you know, live shows and, you know, of course, the satanic panic back then was a part of that. Uh, the reality is you could take a lot of his older stuff, like Crazy Train, and it still gets played. It's radio-friendly stuff. So why does people hated No Rest for the Wicked that much? I don't know. I fucking love that record. Uh and I thought Zach's playing on was fabulous. Like, Zach was a really good guitarist. And, uh, you know, some people have their favorites, and I'm fine with that. But I just, I never understood, like, the total hate that this guy gets uh, when it comes to that. And I granted, I've come to appreciate Lee far more now than I ever did back when he was with Ozzy. Like, some of the other material that he played with Ozzy on, I wasn't as crazy about that, aside from the big songs, you know. Uh, but if you've heard Red Dragon Cartel, which is Jakey Lee's recent band, he's got like two or three albums under that band. That shit's really good. That's like some of the best stuff he's written in a long time, even going past Badlands, which wasn't too bad either. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Zach is probably my favorite of the group uh, that Ozzy has played with. My, my personal opinion on that. Uh, but even so... Uh, Zach went on to start his own project called Black Label Society. And this started back in 99. And uh, 
you know, I was, I was really kind of into him. Real, like, he was pumping out records pretty fast in those first three or four years. And uh, so I was digging it. Um, and then I kind of lost it a little bit after that. I just kind of, like, concentrated on other areas of metal or rock or whatever. And the one record I kind of missed was right after 919 Eternal, and that was uh, The Blessed Hell Ride. And it turns out when I actually ended up hearing that record, that was actually one of the better records you had overall, like as, as like a total package. And so at number 60, uh, it's a, a song that I wouldn't have thought that would end up in my favorites, but when I think about songs that I play all the time or play more than others, uh, even from Black Label, this would be one of them. And it's the title track called The Blessed Howl Ride. So at number 60, Black Label Society.
and hell Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you out. Look, there is a woman in a car. Can we follow her? And maybe make a sexy no, time with no, her? No, 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 get no, 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 no. Why not? Because a woman has a right to choose who she has sex with. What? How about that? Isn't that you amazing? Joke? There must be consent. How about that? <laughs> That's good, huh? It's not good for me. Coming in, number 59, Death Angel, out of San Francisco, California. Started in 1987. I actually discovered them around 88 after the release of their sophomore opus, Frolic Through the Park. Uh, they put out an album in 90 called Act 3, and then they disbanded until about 2004. They actually, in between, some of the members had made uh, or went and formed a band called The Organization, which was... I had their albums. I was garbage. <laughs> I did not like it at all. Uh, they were trying something different, obviously, because, of course, the music scene was changing. So I guess uh, at that point, either they had some internal fighting or whatever, but they ended up disbanding and trying different things. Came back in 2004 with The Art of Dying. I did not like that record. Some people kind of enjoyed that comeback record. I did not like it personally. Uh, 2008's Killing Season was a, st was a step in the right direction, but since 2010 till now, to 2019, uh, they've released four other records, uh, Relentless Retribution, The Dream Calls for Blood, The Evil Divide, and Humanicide, and all those records are far superior to Art of Dying and Killing Season. So, uh, that's where I stand with Death Angel. I think they're just back to themselves now. They're playing really good thrash uh, metal and uh, I'm really happy about that. They're kind of on top form right now. So thank goodness for that. Uh, I'm glad things... I mean, I'm certainly... They don't have all the original members, I think. But either way, uh, they're doing much better now with that musically. Uh, but, there, you know, obviously going back to Frog Through the Park. Um, really good record. Great cover on there for Kisses Cold Gin. Uh, which is kind of different than a lot of the stuff that they usually play because it's a little bit more rock-oriented. But uh, the song I chose was basically the first song that I ever heard from them. It's one that I love going back to. 
just time and time again because it brings back all those nice feelings as a teenager. And uh, that is Bored.
right, so uh, you're Vietnamese? Just out of curiosity, what's your last name? Oh. Oh. Don't you ever upstage me again, ho. Don't you ever be funnier than me, ho. How dare you? This is my Netflix special, ho! What, what's your first name? What's your first name? Tran. Is your real name Tran? Is your first name Tran? My wife's fucking first name is Tran. My wife's fucking first name is Tran fucking Ho. What do you do for a living? And if you say doctor, I'm gonna fuck myself, all right? You're not a doctor, right? Fuck me. What the fuck is your last, what's your, your last, are you fucking kidding me? Your last name was fucking Ho? Fuck you hoes, all right? Fuck the hoes. Someone in the back is fucking with me right now. Cause there's hoes to the left of me, hoes to the right of me. And my real life wife ho is in the fucking back. This is like, are you fucking kidding me? I love it. Gotta love it. Ken Jeong. All right. So number 58 here. Uh, I did like a, on my blog when I was still updating that way back. Um, I think I listed like five records that were underrated and people don't pay much attention to. And the song that this comes from is one of those records. Uh, so, yeah, if you're my blog is still out there. It's on their DJ and it was Blogspot dot com or something like that um uh, ratings and reviews so you'll you'll usually find it if you know what i'm talking about uh, i think i still have links to it on the website um uh, com. but uh so when this record came out i remember when i saw the cover you know they used to put on stickers on the cds you know telling you like oh this is really reputable and you know this is really hot right now and <laughs> Of course, uh, this this record uh, initially I thought was just GZR, right? So that is like a sort of like a short name, but it was for Geezer Butler who played uh, with Ozzy. So it's his one of his his solo acts, right? Uh, and so when the record came out, one of the other stickers it was saying, "Yeah, features Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory." And at the time, like I was a huge, huge Fear Factory fan, like. We're talking like late, mid to late 90s, right? Uh, when Fear Factory was kind of at their top. So, and I was, I'm, I was a big Burton Bell fan. So, uh, I was really excited about this. So I was like, oh, all right, we'll check it out. Album was called Plastic Planet. And uh, it was really, really good. Like, top to bottom. It's a really, really great record. Uh, now, 
the band is no more. Uh, Geezer did put out two other records not with Burton on them. One was in 97, the other one was in 2005, and neither one was very good. Uh, and I think Burton played a big part in that. Now, I don't think Geezer ever had a plan to keep Burton around that long, but the point is, like, he took a risk putting Burton there, and it paid off to me. Some people don't like the record. I do. Uh, they're kind of a cross between, I don't know, they call them kind of like sludge metal and industrial, but it's almost like groove or th somewhat thrash in some ways. Um, but there was a particular song on there that I had gravitated towards, and I remember my friend at the time, he was like, when I played in the car, I was, I was like, man, you, you really like those dark songs. I'm like, yeah, man, that's that's kind of what metal is, man. It's like all about the brooding, the darkness. And uh, I just love this particular song. Uh, the whole thing is great. It's one of the more, if you want to call it sludgier songs, I guess, uh, if you're going to label them that. But the song is called Seance Fiction, and it's very dark. It's just brooding. I just I love the way that Burton's vocals come across in this. The overall vibe of the song is nice. So, yeah, so here at number 58 is Geezer with Seance Fiction.
We're Torrify from Victoria, B.C. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing. He does not find me funny. I've only made him laugh one time. One time, seven Christmases ago. I was in D.C. I called my wife up. I go, yo, what do you want for Christmas? My wife's like, pajamas. That's what I heard, pajamas. She meant pajamas. I heard pajamas. She meant a pair of pajamas. Start there, Bert. I heard the plural. So I bought her seven pairs of pajamas and individually wrapped them. She had a lot of shit to open. And then sat back in the cut going, done, son. Bitch wants pajamas. Bitch got pajamas. All Christmas, I'm like, yo, open my gift. She's like, I'll get to it. I'm working with the girls. My dad's sitting next to me like, you must have killed it this year, buddy. I was like, you'll see. Finally, end of Christmas, she gets to my present. I've been talking about this present all Christmas. Whole family gathers around. She opens the first pair, pulls them out, and just goes, Oh, pajamas. <laughs> and immediately I think, Fuck. <laughs> if that's her reaction to pajamas number one, I can't imagine it's gonna build. My dad's drinking whiskey and eggnog and just goes, Who the fuck buys someone pajamas? She opens the second pair, pulls them out, and goes, oh, more pajamas. My dad looks at the five unwrapped gifts, quickly does the math, and goes, oh, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> By pajamas number five, he's going flipper on me, just... <laughs> pajamas number six, the whole family's around are going, come on, pajamas, come on, pajamas. Pajamas number seven, they are pissing themselves. Thinking, how could this get funnier? What they do not know is I've also bought my mom and sister's pajamas. You should have seen this man when my mom pulled her gift out from me and he was like, oh, it's motherfucking pajamas. Oh, yeah. Burt Kreischer. Great, great comedian. Uh, if you haven't seen it by now on our YouTube channel, I did a trailer reaction for a movie that he's going to be in called The Machine. And uh, it's sort of based off his uh, stand-up comedy skits. So, uh, very funny dude. I'm looking forward to it. Also, has Mark Hamill in the movie, so who plays his dad. I don't know how much of the material that Bert's going to use from his personal life in there, but I'm assuming there'll be enough in there people will recognize from his last stand-ups, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that shit in a hurry. Alright, we're at number 57 now. First discovered this band back in what, well, had to be 99? Yeah, somewhere in there. And uh, it was off a compilation that came. You remember, if, you, if you're old like me, you'll remember magazines like Pit, Kerrang, Terrorizer, whatever. Used to, at the one point, put out like compilation discs of new music that was coming up. That's how I actually 
rediscovered guys like Gary Newman because I thought Newman had been long gone uh, from his pop days, and uh, he was starting to do more dark wave uh, later in his career, which I really enjoy. But yeah, so I discovered this band uh, on that compilation. Well, the band is from uh, UK, London, England, uh, Akrakaki. I believe that's a pr correct pronunciation. I used to just call it Akercock, but it's Akercocky. And uh, they play a blend of progressive black death metal. Uh, their first two records were really pretty good. Uh, when uh, Karanazan came out in 2003, it kind of blew me away. Uh, never did I think they'd actually improve upon that. Uh, with words that go unspoken, deeds that go undone, and Antichrist in 2007, they really outdid themselves. Those records are phenomenal. And uh, they broke up for a while. Um, and then in 2017, they released Renaissance and Extremis. Uh, and then I actually got to see them at MDF around that time period for the first time. Uh, sorry, the cat's like fucking around like she usually does. Uh, so yeah, I got a chance to see it and it was pretty cool. They played a few old tracks. Didn't play the stuff that I really wanted to, but you know, it just depends on how they're feeling about their set and what they can fit in because they do play uh, lengthy type songs. Like one of my favorite songs from Words is uh, "Shelter from the Sand," and uh, but uh, the track that I chose, one I play the most, is from the Antichrist album, "My Apturous Angel," and. Uh, is what I love about Akakak is they can kind of do a lot of different things. They go through these moments where they have, like, they slow things down to almost like gothic standstill. And then with, even with a little bit of acoustics. And, and in this song, they even got a little bit of, uh, like, um, cello or violin work going on. And then, but the last, like, minute or so, uh, they really break into this fucking solo that's just, along with this heavy riffing that just is so fucking amazing. And uh, I get so pumped every time I hear this song. It's definitely my favorite of the bunch. Uh, I play it all the fucking time. As loud as can be. Uh, so at number 57 here is Akrakaki with My Apturous Angel. <laughs>
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaboration with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw and real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace David Spade, the host with the most step stools in your apartment <laughs> David, you seriously influenced so many female comics haircuts <laughs> Tonight, Jeff is dressed as Prince, the Prince of Wales, the animal, you're fat. <laughs> Jeff, if you changed your name to a symbol, it'd be the Arby's logo. <laughs> Jeff. No, Jeff, I'll admit, I've imagined Jeff without clothes. It's how I stay thin. Rob Riggle, ugh, I want to thank you so much for fighting the war against terrorism and subtlety. <laughs> Jimmy A. Carr is what Ralph Macchio has to do to find a place to sleep every night. <laughs> Jewel is here, or as I call her, Trailer Swift. Jewel, I do not want to badmouth you since God already did. No. I think your smile is cute. I feel like your teeth are like the Spice Girls. You know, they're all different colors and they're like doing their own thing. So that's fun. Oh my God. Peyton Manning is here. That's not for you guys, that's for him. Peyton, you're here right now. You've had a lot of concussions. You're here. Don't murder your wife. I, I don't know much about football, but I love Peyton uh, in commercials. You're like, you're so good at him, like legitimately. I'd say you're the greatest of all time. I'd say like, you're like the Tom Brady of being in commercials, you know? Like, the greatest. Like, he's the greatest, right? So... And without furor ado, Ann Coulter. <laughs> oh, Ann. What's it like to be like a real life supervillain? You know, like, I'd ask you how you sleep at night, but I'd assume just upside down in a robe of 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Ann Coulter has written 11 books, 12 if you count Mein Kampf. Yes. Anne's been called things like a racist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, a white supremacist, and that's just while getting plowed by Bill Maher. 
The only person you will ever make happy is the Mexican who digs your grave. Speaking of Hitler, Jeff, you and Hitler have a lot in common. What's that? Micro penis. You're bad at your art, and no one cared about you till you started roasting people. <laughs> Guys, I can make that joke because I'm not Jewish, so I don't care. <laughs> don't be mad. At least I acknowledge the Holocaust. Anne doesn't even think it happened. <laughs> Speaking of deniable tragedies, Rob Lowe. You're so hot, I can't even stand it. I'm Rob defies age restrictions. You really, you're, you're Adonis, look at you. You look like you're sculpted. I mean, you put the statue in statutory rape. I mean, right? God, I had such a crush on you when I was a little girl. If only I'd known that's when I had my best shot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Joseph Gordon, love it, everyone! All right. Getting back out of here. Coming in at number 56. Band out of Finland, Crystalic. I initially thought they only had one record to their name, which is a record that this track comes off of, but apparently they've been around since 98, but they had kind of weirdly just had demo work all the way up until 2007 with an album called Watches Deteriorate. Uh, I didn't hear about them till 2010 with the, this record, Persistence. And uh, looking at Metal Archives, though, like... Uh, even their, well, I guess they have a 2004 demo that's gotten a pretty high rate, but it's, there's only two reviews, so that could be, I think one was probably mine. <laughs> Who goes figure, but. Uh, so, yeah, so the uh, the band's been around for a little while, but uh, they have they say they're still active. I thought they'd split up, but they play a blend of melodic death metal. And uh, I think, you know, initially, like, I have to go back and try to listen to this record in full again. I don't know if I'd feel the same way overall, because it really... It's just a band that I've, I've, this one song always stands out to me. I always play it's on my iPod, but there's nothing else on the record on my iPod, which means it probably could be some stuff that I just haven't got back to listening to, but I remember liking the record when I first heard it, but uh, this song just like blows a lot of the stuff away that's on the record, and so I don't know if I'd feel the same way. I'd have to go back and re-listen to it, but uh, the other interesting thing is I, as I'm looking around at the metal archives on this, Apparently, the uh, the drummer is also the vocalist, I guess. Like, at least according to this. Like, I don't know. Because, like, they haven't put a record out since 2010. So, I don't know if it's the same situation or not. But the only one listed, as far as, like, the current lineup is the drummer, who's also the vocalist. Um... So, yeah, I don't know if that's still the same or not. I don't know if that's been updated or not. But, you know, there's very few bands that do the whole, like, drummer while singing thing. And, you know, you think of Deceased or Nocturnus and stuff like that. But I, I was not aware that at, on this particular timeline that, you know, the drummer was also the singer in this band. So that's kind of cool. 
Anyway, the uh, song is called Sub Creatures. It opens up the um, persistence and uh, fantastic track. Doing a lot of different things. There's also some, again, like Akakaki, a lot of great solo work in it uh, that really gets me engaged. Uh, so, yeah, here we go at number 56 with Crystalic and Sub Creatures. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey there, this is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music. Hey, Louie. Hey, Frank. You ready for this weekend? Why? What's this weekend? The ferret's having a party. Oh, well, that's a nightmare. He's getting two cases of Budweiser, a bucket of nachos, and a karaoke machine. I'm not going. Louie, everyone's going. Yeah, like who? A bunch of slugs? Mm-mm. Me, you, the ferret, and all of his lady friends. The ferret has lady friends. Oh, yeah, dozens. Eh? He's like a furry little gigolo. Yeah, I don't believe this. Hey, hey ferret, what? who's coming to this party of yours? <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying there'll be some fine-looking weasels. <laughs> some iguanas that need a good man. He's lying. <laughs> and a mongoose named Lynette. Lynette? <laughs> Who likes to shake a booty on the dance floor. <laughs> okay, okay, take a cold shower, Squeaky. I don't get it, Frank. What are they seeing him? He, he can't even talk. They like the squeaks. What? Women love a guy who can squeak. That's the number one rule of dating. Oh, they like it when guys go, wee 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 Drives them crazy. Oh, shut up. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So, we're down to number 55 here, and, uh... I forget how exactly. I guess I just came across this band by accident. Now they're actually kind of local, local, like in being like three hours from where I am, uh, from Richmond, Virginia. A band called Enforced Thrash Metal Crossover. Uh, been around since 2017. Had one their debut in 2019, which I had not heard before recently. Uh, and then, but 2021. Uh, Killgrid came out and that became one of my favorite records of 2021 and I also had a chance to see him live um uh I think they played down by uh it wasn't at Ramshead but it was like right across from there uh they were playing a show with uh, some other bands and uh, I really wanted to see him so they did play MDF but I don't think I was around to catch them uh during that time but they are great live too. Like they have a great stage presence, really cool guys, great musicians. They have a new release coming out, in fact, uh, next month, uh, April, with uh, War Remains. So I'm so eagerly uh, waiting for that record because I'm so excited for that. But Kill Grid is just an amazing piece of uh, thrash metal there. And uh, it, it's just so good stuff. Uh, I actually used the title track as the song that I'm going to play for you, but uh, great band. Uh, they have a great future, I believe. Uh, deserve a lot more attention than they've probably even gotten. They have done pretty well, uh, especially over the last year or so, but uh, they deserve a lot more attention as well because I think they're a force to be reckoned with. So at number 55, without further ado, this is Enforced with Kill Grid.
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Necco on Metal Tavern Radio. They woke up one morning. One morning they wake up. At five in the morning, they were younger. They, I don't know how old they were, but they were younger. Like, I don't trust dads who know exactly how old their kids are. 
If you're talking to a dad, he's like, 16 months today, he better be married to another dad. And that's, I don't mean that homophobic. I'm not homophobic at all. I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely not. I'm more like a homochondriac. Like, I'm comfortable if you're gay. I'm comfortable with your lifestyle. I'm just afraid one night you'll get me drunk and trick me into it. And I'll like it. That's my fear. I'll like it and I'll be good at it. Line him up! So I saw gay porn once for like 45 minutes. Let me tell you something. Holy shit. Ladies, you gotta step up your blowjob game. Yeah, you're still playing JV basketball, and the gay guys are the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, dunking on cocks. Holding their own head. Fuck this face, son! the fuck are we talking about? I'm literally, how did I get off on this gay rant? The fucking... Oh, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters. Huh. Gay guy shugging cock. Oh, my daughters. Okay, here we go. This will work. back with you now as we get ready to jump into number 54 and uh <clears throat> i can say honestly I, I as much as i love the drummer there's a group band like I, I don't care about the band overall um the band is grip incorporated uh featuring dave lombardo from slayer uh this they he started this project after he either got fired or quit Slayer, I can't remember which what happened back then, but started us back in 95. I remember listening to a little bit of Power of Inner Strength, their debut. I didn't really care for it that much. Uh, so I didn't really come back to them at all. They they put out like four records before disbanding. Uh, when I started doing internet radio back in 2005, so probably about a year or two later when I was testing out the waters of other radio stations uh, like Darkness Radio or Vertigo, Vertigo was run by another guy, a friend of mine, Chris, uh, who went by the name DJ Candyman, and he played this track on his one of his shows, and I really fell in love with him when he told me who it was. I was like, oh, okay, I remember that band. And uh, again, like, there's really no other songs from the band that I liked. Granted, I haven't heard everything they ever put out, but <clears throat> this particular song stood out to me. It's nothing super fancy, but I do love the way that it's arranged and put together uh the lyrics are pretty cool uh so it, it's more simple in terms of like what you're expecting from a Lombardo type project but at the same time it just stands out to me and I'm, i find myself constantly playing it whenever it comes on so part of being you know part of my top 100 is songs that i just listen to a lot and so at number 54 here's grip incorporated with scream at the sky 
Tavern Radio. You have two choices. You can spit or you can swallow, right? You got to register as one before November 9th. Just make sure you know what you're going to do. I knew what I was going to do. I was, um, I was registered as a spitter long before I ever got in that booth. You know what I'm saying? I knew I was going to spit because I knew about girls who spit and I knew about girls who swallow. Girls who spit are grossed out by it and they're like, bah, 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 gross. And guys don't appreciate it, but it's far better than a girl who swallows because I knew girls that swallow, oh, these sloven whores, they love it. <laughs> it's fuel for them. It's how they survive. <laughs> It's the base of a slut's food pyramid. Is it just a sturdy base of cum? And so I was like, I'm not going to be a slut. Like, I don't want to be that. So when I give a blowjob, I'm totally going to spit. So I get in there, I give my first blowjob, and um, I swallowed immediately because I was like, this is disgusting. Let's get it down the hatch. Take it like a shot. Like, this is clearly the most efficient way to dispose of this. Immediately, I didn't even have to think twice about it. I've never spit. And, ever. If you spit, that means you have to hold it in your mouth as you like walk through his apartment and find the bathroom that he shares with his roommates. You run into them, they're all watching Varsity Blues in the living room. You have to be like, hey guys, is anyone in there? Can I get in? Or, oh, so Andrew's in the shower? I'll wait, it's fine. I love this movie. What is, this is such a good movie, I forget. You forget how good it is. <laughs> You're quoting classic lines. I'm like, I don't want your life. Like, and I can, it's a better James Vanderbeek because of it. Okay. That's one benefit. <laughs> but you're doing like a wine tasting. Like, you just... And don't get it twisted, guys. A girl isn't, she's not swollen because she's like, yummy, cummy, in my tummy. No. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> Turns out I'm a whore. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, let me tell you, man. <clears throat> Nikki Glazer, man, she is a good-looking chick, and she's funny. And uh, when she talks dirty, man, it's like a, a real turn-on. Like, I know. <laughs> I mean, Neko would probably agree with me, in fact. But it, it's just funny because, like, I like girls that don't hold back, and Neko's, like, one of those. She's exactly like Nikki. Like, there's just women who aren't afraid to uh embraced her sexuality is just a, a complete turn on i don't i don't like and nikki Ch like i don't know how much of it is just stick or a, a skit for nikki but you know the reality is man that's just like she's really good at just saying the things that guys hear and like to hear and i'm you know and we, we kind of kid ourselves that women don't think like that but there are a few that are that do and I love that shit about her. Nikki's just straight up, straightforward, and I just fucking, it's amazing. In fact, if you ever go on YouTube, try to look up uh, Nikki doing a lie detector test on her friends. Like, um, I don't know if it was part of a show or something, but basically she put her friends up to a lie detector test, and a couple times uh, she was asking her guy friends, like, hey, have you ever thought about having sex with me? And, like, they tried to, like, either lie or... 
uh, like she had like a girlfriend that was on there and asked the same question. And the girl straight up said, yeah. And it's kind of funny because they ended up kissing at the end. I don't know if that was just like them just being silly or whatever, but uh, it was kind of funny. I just, I really, she seemed so shocked. Uh, both when the guy kind of lied, like lied about it and then got caught in the lie. Uh, but it's even, I think even if you were friends with her, you would always imagine like, yeah, what would it be like to have sex with her? Cause you know, it doesn't, it's not like you would cross those, those lines or boundaries, but I, I think that it's just funny. If you can find it on YouTube, check it out. So I was looking at this, uh, this article on Facebook, uh, it was posted by a metal injection, I think. Or one of those uh, webzines. But so it, it brought up, uh, no, Loudwire, sorry, sorry, Loudwire. And they brought up uh, an old quote by Lars Ulrich from Metallica uh, regarding a question he was asked in 1985 of whether or not what separates Metallica from like Slayer and Megadeth. And so Lars went on to explain that he felt at the time that. You know, bands like Slayer were concentrating on stuff like Satanism and Satanic lyrics and stuff like that. Even though that wasn't all that Slayer wrote about, but uh, that was certainly a part of their appeal back then. Or in those, and you know, again, you're dealing with Satanic Panic. It became a big hot topic, but Lars felt that for them, Metallica, it was something they were trying to stray away from. Was the cliche, as he called it, uh, in terms of what to write about. Because I think even like early Overkill, which was more of a heavy metal band, were doing kind of the same thing. Like if you go back, I think uh, Ratskate uh, did like a doc from his point of view about Overkill in a lot of the early years uh, before he left. And basically had old footage of Overkill and like Bobby was in like a <laughs> makeup and dark like a dark cloak or, or a cape of sorts and their stage show was a little bit more satanic uh, driven uh, before they eventually turned into a, like a full-fledged thrash band. So uh, so Lars isn't like totally wrong with that point of view uh, per se, but then it is funny, but by the time that the Black album, album came out, it was really Lars like, the band becoming cliche themselves by trying to fit in with the mainstream. They found success with the, a song like One, which was still a thrash song. Uh, but the band realized that they could make more mainstream music and, and gain more fame and get more money because you're appealing more to the masses at that point. So to me, that's kind of like them adapting to the cliche themselves. Like it's a different type of cliche. It's not the satanic cliche. But I mean, look at look at what Manson did when he came out. Look what Ghost is doing uh, by using the satanic imagery and all that, uh, and still making money. So in some ways, Lars was kind of like a hypocrite when it came to what they eventually ended up becoming, like with the Black Album and and so on. But he wasn't totally wrong at the time period in 85 when he made the comments because Metallica certainly were doing something different uh, lyrically compared to some of the other bands, in the, except except for maybe Megadeth. Megadeth was still doing politics. Dave Mustang was very much into the political uh, spectrum as far as like speaking out with his feelings on it. Um, 
but anyway, I, I just thought it was funny because, uh, you know, there's obviously people arguing about how much influence Metallica had on everybody else, and I, I don't think you can really deny the influence that Metallica had. Like, it's always been a grand debate because we always talk about, like, Oz or Black Sabbath being the first, like, legitimate metal band, and then you have other acts like Motorhead, uh, who were kind of like setting the the way that metal would come. You even go back to, I mean, I know like mid seventies Judas Priest was a little bit more like bluesy rock sort of. Uh, before like you know, I was like Point of Entry where they started becoming a little bit more metal, and then of course, uh, Vengeance and and stuff like that. So Metallica doing what they did in L.A. at the time certainly was a lot different than the other bands around it, except for at least in LA. Like we know that they moved out of LA to go, I think to San Francisco and play with some of the other thrash bands that were up there in Seattle and stuff like that. Uh, because uh, the Bay area was more thrash oriented than LA at the time, which was more grounded in hard rock and glam rock at the time. So, uh, so despite my, my irritation with Metallica, you know, from, basically after the black album or to black album on uh i've always had the, the appreciation and respect for them for what they did carve out like i don't think you can really take that away from it. i know people are saying and i can't be totally wrong i know dave mustang was a big part of that uh when he was in the band and i know that cliff i stood by it that cliff was a major impact <clears throat> on the band during those first three albums before his, his tragic passing. So, clearly, even even though those two guys had a big impact on the band, it's not like James and Lars didn't have their own impact as well. Uh, or even... Um, shit, I forget his name. I can't believe I forget his name. Oh, fuck me. Kirk. Kirk Hammond. <clears throat> so... People who try to, like, I know we all kind of, like, dislike where Metallica is now, but to try to use our distaste for where they are at now compared to back then, you can't really take that away from them. They, they were doing shit in L.A. that nobody else was doing. Like, regardless of you, you know, you still like Slayer and, and like, Testament and Exodus and all of them that were playing in other parts of California at the time. Or even if you go to New York where Anthrax and Overkill and all of them uh, were playing thrash. Like it, 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 Metallica was setting a, a, setting a setting a trend within that. People were picking up on it. And you can't take that away from the band. Like you just can't. Like I know there's parts of it that you can say, well, how much did Dave have influence? How much was Cliff an influence? Like I, like I can agree with that part of it. But Lars and James were both very big into, like, I believe, uh, European heavy metal. Like, so you talk like Diamond Head, Motorhead, stuff like that. So these guys, they were listening to stuff that some of the other guys weren't. And that's why they were starting to play the type of music they were. Because they were fans of these bands doing heavy metal instead of, like, hard rock stuff. So... Uh, I'll never take away what Metallica did as an influence to metal in general, um, even though 
they long sold out for the mighty dollar again it, it more power to them it, you know you, i think any band or artist wants to make a career out of their trade and then that's fair um i think there's different ways you can go about doing that and i've talked about it before when it's like you think of guys like peter tattergren who is a part of a band like hypocrisy which is death metal and then like he has like other projects like pain which is more mainstream industrial rock metal stuff so you can carve out like your own piece of mainstream stuff if you have different uh different love for different types of music like that's what you can do like i always thought that if i was ever talented enough to be an artist uh, a musician or whatever that's how i'd approach it i would just have different projects one project that i thought if you know if i like like i like different types of rock so if i wanted to play something like that where i think it has like uh basically ear candy or has the ability to make money on radio and stuff like that that's what i would do but then i would channel all my other stuff into like much heavier underground type stuff uh death metal or black metal or whatever it is that i felt that i was into or wanted to play or create <clears throat> so but I would never take a band that, you know, like for me, I just, it, it's such a shitty thing. I know different bands try to, I know I'm kind of going on a rant here, sorry, but different bands try to like adjust to the times and it doesn't matter if it's rock or metal, but for me, Metallica selling out the way they did with that particular project was just like a big slap to the face to the fans that got them to that point. Um... Had Metallica just turned over a new leaf and, and started the rock stuff under a different moniker, I would never have a problem with that. If they, I mean, think about it. Like, Devin Townsend has Strapping Young Lad, right? But Devin never turned Strapping Young Lad into his solo stuff or stuff that's mainstream. Like, he said, okay, I'm done with this project. I have nothing more to offer for Strapping Young Lad. I'm in a different mindset now. So the shit that Devin does on the side is all different from that. You can hear touches of it in his music because that's how he is as an artist. He has influence in all his music. But he didn't sacrifice the legacy of Strapping Young Lad to make mainstream stuff. So, uh, in fact, I think on a new black, he had a, a song on there where he was basically kind of making fun of that because of the label trying to pressure him into turning strapping young lad into a, a popularity contest and that's not what it was about so i'll always hate the fact that metallica did that with metallica because they some people don't care i'm just one of those that do um it's not like i have any say in it so it doesn't matter in the long run they do what they do because it's their band but that's my point of view they could have changed the name to anything if you really felt that strongly about changing your your uh musical writing into something else then just change the name go with that people may hate it that you abandon metallica but at least you're not you know throwing that name under the bus basically by changing your sound entirely they're not the first ones to do it nor the last obviously there's a lot of bands that do the same thing uh catatonia um just bands like that you know where they kind of started out as one thing and changed into something else Sometimes it works better for bands to do that, where they just start out as one type of uh, 
at, you know type of sound and then they they kind of grow because sometimes you can get better doing something different than you started out being uh theater of tragedy was one of those bands i felt that did that uh, for a short period of time um but yeah so just most times than not though it doesn't really work out as great like entombed started out way better than they ended up becoming uh, some people still enjoyed some of that death and roll stuff they were doing. I just wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, so give me, you know, Left Hand Path and Clandestine all day over anything else they did in their catalog. All right, enough of that, right? So that little my rant there. So uh, we're back at number 53 now, and uh, this band, still considered active. It was a three-piece out of uh, Seattle, Washington. Definitely uh, active during the 80s, uh, around the same time some of these other bands I mentioned, like Exodus and Testament and, and stuff like that. They just weren't as well known. And I actually, they only have two full lengths they ever put out, uh, dating back to 1991 and 89 respectively. And uh, I didn't even hear about them until 91 when I saw the video on MTV for this particular song. And I really enjoyed it, so I picked up the record. Now, I only really liked two or three songs on the record so outside of that didn't do much for me but i went back probably about five to ten years ago and checked out the first record for the first time and i really really enjoyed that uh it's the band is forced entry um like i said they stay, they're still considered active but they don't have um singer guitars uh brad hall anymore like he's not in the group anymore i don't know if he just left or whatever don't know the story behind it so it does have the other two members still apparently brad did play uh temporarily with sanctuary as well as condition critical and some other acts uh but a very very good guitarist um what does this say i get okay i see so I, Oh, no, excuse me. It's not condition critical. I might be wrong. Let me double check something here. Okay, I'm, it's not condition critical. That's a different band. This is critical condition. So apparently, forced entry was initially named critical condition before changing. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if... Um, yeah, so forced entry is now what was critical condition. So my fault on that. I was to read it reverse. <laughs> Dilexia. <laughs> Dyslexic. Um, so yeah, Brad Hall is no longer in the band, but uh, those first two records are still pretty decent. Uh, Uncertain Future is certainly the better of the two. Uh, but the song is from the uh, follow-up, uh, As Above, So Below. And uh, number 53, Forced Injury. This is never a no, but a no. <laughs>
No, no por eso, que te metamos en los Black Metal. Well, no, no wanna be Black Metal Devin and the interpreter of the comments from SoundQ. You are in the company of DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Pattern Radio. The best place to be. Stay tuned with these legends. Imagine having a moment like that, doing a Judd Apatow film and going back to your day job thinking that you're stuck. The next day, I could not stop thinking about that. I was like, well, maybe I know I'm playing it safe, but maybe it's time for this college kid to turn pro. You know what I mean? Maybe I got to fucking, I got to rethink my life. Maybe I got, maybe this is a time for me to pursue acting full time. But, you know, look at me. I know I look like a, like a fucking double chinned Asian Mr. Burns with bad posture, but I don't know. I mean, maybe this is time for me. Maybe this is a sign. By the way, I'm thinking all this while 50 patients are waiting for me. Not a good look. And my nurse is desperately trying to get me to focus. She goes, Dr. Jung, uh, you have a patient in room two waiting for you. I was like, well, nurse, you have a doctor who doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Just did a movie, Carol. Just did a movie, man. You don't get it. And believe it or not, I quit my day job the next day. True story. Yeah. I was scared, man. I was fucking scared because I didn't have any family support. Like, my strict traditional Korean dad who wanted me to be a doctor before I was born, no, he was severely bumping on this shit, dude. He, he was just like, he cursing me out in Korean, you, you bring grace into junk family. And then after the hangover, we are so proud. I knew you make it, boy. I knew you make it, I believe in you. We are so proud of your tiny ding-dong. So proud. <laughs> the smaller the penis, the bigger the box office. <laughs> oh, thanks, Papa. Great phrase. Okay. All right. Down to number 52. And uh, it's kind of funny because just recently, uh, Crypt from Metal Mania. He uh, put out a show that he did, uh, I believe it was from the guys from uh, Thralls of Metal, uh, where they were taking questions about metal in general, just asking metal fans and whatnot of the show and metal in general. Uh, so Crip started posting these questions like daily uh, on Facebook and social media, and uh, one particular question came up about, have you heard... Or what, what album was it that you heard that you bought based off one song? So uh, it's it's a little bit more. And I think it was like a band you hadn't heard of before. So that was part of it. Um, so I remember like uh, back when I was in Colorado in the late 80s, we had a, a station on there, a radio station called Z-Rock. And they played a lot of great shit. Like uh, I discovered stuff like King Diamond, uh, Overkill. Of course, this is going back to like 87 and stuff like that, uh, which really kind of helped bolster my new direction because like, like at that point, I was still just very much in the hard and hair rock stuff because you know, I grew up on stuff like Van Halen, Rat, Dawkin, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, uh, which I all still enjoy very much. But 
after hearing Master of Puppets, it began like this trend for me to kind of eat up and soak up knowledge and love for the thrash genre. And uh, by the time 89 rolled around, like they were still playing stuff. And I remember when I first heard the song, some of the, when it came to the main chorus of this song, like the way that it's conveyed, uh, which I believe it's from um, Jeff Waters himself who does that part of it in the song. Uh, I thought it was King Diamond initially, like that part. But I said, but we, obviously King has a much different vocal approach, so I knew it wasn't. But I said, wow, it kind of reminds me a little bit at the time of something that was King Diamond-ish. Uh, very little of it, though. But it turned out it was a Canadian band called Annihilator. And... The song itself was like just so amazing that I went and picked up the the record as soon as it got released. Like th- th- that was kind of like the bummer part about it was I remember listening to it and it wasn't gonna be due out for like another couple weeks or something. So like sometimes I'd hear a song and I'd immediately go to the record store hoping it would be there and it wasn't. So I was like fuck, you know. So it's like you had to kind of wait because you couldn't just like pull it up on the internet. Like you couldn't just play it over and over or or. Uh, you know stream it online like you, if you heard it on the radio you had to wait till they played it again and it wasn't always like mainstream like z-rock didn't really approach it the same way uh as you would like 98 rock or whatever like it wasn't like you were going to hear this song once every hour so i mean they played it enough but it wasn't like they were going to play it every hour on the hour like they do with some of the more mainstream stuff so if you heard the song, you're like, you had to wait till they decided to play it again. And that could be a while. Uh, so they ended up playing Alice in Hell again, and, and finally it got the record. And even though I really only like three or four songs on that, that de- 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 debut record, uh, this song is still the one that got me to buy the record. And, like, I do love the band. Like, they, they still put out some good stuff. Uh, they've been out there forever. Uh, the last couple, right? I mean, Jeff's always kind of like di- directed the band to be kind of either like thrash or even a little bit of heavy metal and rock at times. Uh, they've been getting back to sort of their thrash roots the last couple records, which is nice to see. And I think even like, you know, some of their stuff is still reminiscent of the early years, which is really nice. Uh, but he's a very talented guitarist, uh, been around for a while. Uh, but it is kind of like his show. Like, he's kind of gone through lineup changes with singers and stuff. I think now he's just pretty much doing all the vocals himself, which is something he probably should have stuck with. But, you know, sometimes you get bored and you want to kind of do other things. Uh, but, yeah, number uh, 52, we've got Annihilator here with Alice in Hell. <laughs>
Introducing the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platform. Metal Tavern is a heavy metal, rock music, and movie podcast where they discuss movies, music, current events, and feature live interviews with bands, artists, and YouTube personalities. They spotlight independent labels and feature the underground bands the label represents. Again, that's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Stream it today on Spotify, 
Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Podbean, YouTube, and at the website MetalTavernRadio.com. Many episodes up for you to listen to already, and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect on Facebook, search Metal Tavern Radio, and follow the guys on Twitter at DJ Anubis88 and DJ underscore Nico Caffrey. Some girls love sucking dick. They, like, love it. And I've never understood it. I'm like, what are you getting out of it? And then I realize it's because they're good at it. That's it. It's as simple as that, truly. If, you're, if you love sucking dick, it's because you're good at it. And if you don't like it, if you're like, I hate blowjobs, it's because you're bad at it. It's, you're really bad at it. We like doing things we're good at. And if you were good at it, you would do it all the time. If you're just like, it's such a bore and such a pain, you're, you suck at it. And I'm one of you. I could have been good. I, all it would have taken was one guy to just like give me a compliment early on, you know? Someone just, just like show me that I had a little promise or something. Just send me off in the right direction. We just want to be good in the, and it's, it's, it's early intervention is key. Like I feel like true blowjob queens, girls that are like, I love it. It was like one of the first times they gave a blowjob. The guy was like, you're great. And like believed in them. Cause that's what it takes. It takes one guy, one coach, one youth minister to lay the foundation. <laughs> the first time oh you're so nervous and all you want is a guy to just take your chin and be like hey look up you go what he's like you've got spunk in your hair but like the way that you handled my balls was pretty cool and I think you're on to something just anything a little nudge and that's why I tell guys, lie to us. Tell us we're good and we'll blow you all the time. Honestly, like, if you hook up with a girl and she blows you and it's not very good, just lie and be like, that was the best blowjob ever. Because she'll just be like, it was? And then she'll, like, set off on a course to, like, be the best. And she'll go out and she'll be like, I was good once. You know? down to our first 10 off the block here and now we're gonna move into more bay area thrash in the form of heathen and uh only four records to their name as far as like legitimate full length and uh mainly because they had disbanded for a while between 91 and 2010 but uh, when it came back in 2010 with the evolution of chaos, I, I thought it was a decent record. Some people like it more than me a little bit. But uh, 2020, they released Empire of the Blind, which I really, really enjoyed a lot more. Uh, but compared to the first two records, uh, Breaking the Silent Victims of Deception, certainly not quite there. But that's kind of like the story with a lot of bands that we grew up with as old metal fans and whatnot. But I had not really heard Breaking the Silence first. I heard Victims of Deception, the, the sophomore release in uh, 91. And I fell in love with it from the minute it hit go. And, uh, you know, obviously Lee Altus, Doug Piercy, um, David White, of course, the singer, like just really, really good uh, band. And, uh, but there was always one track that kind of just stood out to me the entire time on that record. And, 
I guess you could kind of call it a ballad, but it's like one of the longest ballads you'll ever have. Um, but it's a really good piece because they have, like, again, this was a band that was doing thrash, but they were kind of adding progressive elements in there. And uh, the guitar work between uh, Piercy and Altus is just amazing in this song. And lyrically, it's great. I think at the time, you can kind of really identify with it, you know, on a, on a level like that. So... At number 51, here is Heathen with Heathen's Song.
school nurse. She goes, I have Isla in the office. Is there a parent at home? I was like, I'll do. <laughs> Gives the phone to Isla. Her first words, I tried to stop it, dad. <laughs> I go, stop what? She goes, I got my period. I'm like, bitch, you promised. <laughs> I'm like, you called the wrong number, dickhead. Call your mom. She's like, Dad, I need you right now. Immediately as a parent, I'm melting down. So I'm like, she's freaking out at school. She's by herself. She's going through what Georgia went through. This isn't my skill set, but I got this. I go, okay, baby. All right. Okay. How'd you get it? <laughs> she was like, Dad, I was playing kickball. Immediately, I'm like, oh, poor kid. I thought she blew out her pussy. <laughs> Just, oh, shit. Oh, I'm out, coach. I'm out. Yeah. I tore my twat. It's bad. I blew out my cooch, coach. I'm going to have to sit this one out. Pinch runner. Pinch runner. Now, I'm spiraling. I'm like, all right, what do you need from me? New pants, new panties, new socks. Did it get in your socks? A bucket, some towels, garlic. We're going to keep the vampires away from you. She's like, Dad, I'm fine. Mom gave me a go bag. I go, okay, then what are you calling me for? 
She goes, I need you to go to the store and get supplies. I'm like, how bad is this, period? She's like, no, dad, I'm throwing myself a period party tonight. I'm like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? She's like, all the girls are doing it, dad. I need you to go to the store and get supplies, get a red velvet cake. I'm like, I go, baby, I don't think I can eat a red velvet cake knowing what it symbolizes. She's like, Dad, you need a red velvet cake for a period party because you put the name of your period on the cake. I'm like, who names their period? She's like, Georgia named hers after the girl from Progressive Auto Insurance. She's like, Dad, please, I need you right now. I have 10 people coming tonight. I go, we have 10 little girls coming to the house? She goes, no, eight girls, two boys. I'm like, who invites boys to a period party? And I hear her sinister little giggle on the phone, and she goes, Dad, that's the fun of it. We don't tell them why they're there. <laughs> now I'm like, fuck it, I'm in. I have never had more fun at a party in my entire life. Planning, hosting, and attending a period party. I dressed all in red like it was Chinese New Year's. <laughs> Drinking Pinot Noir, I made pasta with chunky marinara sauce. And I giggled the whole night with all these little girls at these two boys, Max and Carter, right? Faces covered in red cake. Like it's their honeymoon and they're like, fuck it, I'll eat it anyway. The whole party, these two boys are looking at the cake going, who the hell's Jason? My daughter, Isla Kreischer, named her period Jason because she got it on Friday the 13th. All right. <clears throat> Kicking off our next 10 tracks on my top 100 all-time favorite metal songs. Uh, so 1988, you know, as I was browsing and perusing some sort of record store at the time, this is when CDs were becoming a thing, but I think I still, no, I still got this on cassette first, so I, I think I ended up getting on CD later. Uh, didn't know much about the band itself, but I remember the album cover, uh, stood out to me. Now, for those that don't know... Uh, big time lover of sharks, shark stories. I was bitten by a shark even when I was younger. So this album cover had a shark on it where it bit off a, a surfer's leg. The album was called Surfing M.O.D. from the band M.O.D. Method of Destruction. Uh, I didn't know much about them or what they're about. But however, that EP is great. So basically, at least cassette wise, right? So... Side A was the story mode. So they had uh, songs that they had redone, so like Surfing USA and uh, tracks like that with adding their own uh, songs. And they always had a sense of humor about themselves or kind of like, I wouldn't say a joke band, but they, they use a lot of uh, humor and funny lyrical content to uh, talk about just anything between politics, society, uh, parodies, stuff like that. So side A was basically the story mode where they were just kind of telling a story. It's not a long one, obviously. It's only like, I don't know, 20 minutes because the songs aren't that long anyway. But it was really funny bits in there. So then side two was just the music itself from the side A. 
And uh, but I really enjoyed the hell out of that EP a lot. It's it, I'm surprised it has such a low score in the archives, but I just really enjoy it. I think it's fun. And then in '89, uh, I had seen a video because uh, I hadn't really followed them after that. But in '89, they did the album Gross Misconduct, and uh, the video they did for that was True Colors. And again, the band was just being silly. Uh, talking about friendship and backstabbing and you know they were kind of poking fun at the hair rock at the time and uh, so at number 50 is MOD with True Colors
this is Rhino of Enclave and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Check this out. Hey kids, it's your pal Barney. And guess who's gonna be your new bus driver? Oh, me! Oh boy! Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh. Here we go! Oh, oh, oh. Come on, hop on, kitties! Oh. Hi Barney, I brought you a candy kiss because I love you. Oh, that's sweet, Susie, but you know I'm a diabetic. Ah! Now sit down and shut up, kids, unless you want a big purple foot in your ass. Oh boy! Hey, wait a minute. Are you smoking back there, Billy? Yeah, what's it to you? Well, I hope you brought enough for the whole school bus. Come on, pass them around. Oh, oh boy. But Barney, my mommy says smoking's bad for you. Oh, believe me, Bobby. I've seen your mommy put a lot worse than cigarettes in her mouth. Oh, boy. Hey, Barney, you're not supposed to drink and drive. I'm telling. Come here, Tommy. Barney has a secret to tell you. Come here, closer. Come. Unless you want the next picture Mommy and Daddy see of you to be on the back of a milk carton, I'd keep that mouth full of metal shut. Hey, kids, Tommy just told me all your mothers are whores. No, oh, get Daddy. Come on, get him, guys. Come on, Hey, Barney, this isn't the way to school. Barney has to make a little stop first. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yo, Blue, what you need? I need a 20-piece, and don't gank me on the count this time, or I'll bust a cap in your ass. Come on, kids, give Barney your lunch money. Don't hold out, or I'll dump you right here at... Getting down to number 49. Not much did I know about this band, but in 2020, they released a record called The Veil. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I don't. They don't appear on the metal archives, even though I think they are a metal band. But, you know, the archives can be a little bit, um, I, know, I guess, picky about who they let in and who they don't. I've, I've often talked about the, the issues I have with their their system on which they determine what's metal, what's not. I always thought that it was kind of a uh, narrow-minded vision of what they've got going on, but they've been doing it their way for years, so I don't say too much more out of that. I mean, it, it's still a useful site for a lot of things when you're trying to, like, learn up the history of bands and whatnot, so the information is very uh, useful in general, but just their way of cataloging and deciding who's metal, who's not, is really kind of archaic and stupid, gatekeeping, whatever. Anyway, not a big deal. Still enjoyed this record a lot. Uh, this is my favorite track from that record. This is the band called it's Black Passage. And uh, there's parts of this song that kind of remind me a little bit like Prong in certain aspects. Um, but before it goes into more of a more metal, uh, at least in terms of like their vocal styles and stuff. So... The song's called Table's Turn, so check it out. Here we go. Number 
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. that movie uh, Pride recently. Have you guys seen that movie? Anybody see that? It's about the first all-black swim team and the difficulties they had to go through being the first all-black swim team. Let me ask you a question. How many of those white people are evil movies are they going to make? It's like it's all the way down to swimming. You know? I'm starting to run out of white guilt, you know? No, it's like those movies, they started off unbelievable. Started off with Roots, right? White guilt was at an all-time high. I could barely even watch it. I'm like, dude, I got it. My ancestors are evil, okay? Please, please turn the channel, dude. Please turn the channel. They're still hitting them. Fuck, turn the channel. This is going to be on all week. Jesus Christ, turn the channel. Then in the 80s, there was like a football movie. Then like Cuba Gooding wanted to be like a scuba diver. Remember that shit? And now... It's all the way down to swimming, and I gotta admit, I don't think I give a fuck. You know? I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's a recreational activity. Plus, I've been in pools, there's been black people in the pool, you know? I never saw any white guy, like, trying to, like, fucking, like, prevent people from getting into the pool. <laughs> it's like, they're just, like, making this shit up. I'm not, I'm not being a dick here, either, okay? Just to clarify, you know, I just want... Anybody coming up to me after the show like, you know, I was thinking it, then, then you fucking said it. And then... I'm not saying that I don't think black shit, people should be allowed to put on some Speedos and go for a dip. I'm not saying that shit. I'm just saying these movies, like the characters aren't even believable. Like they always have to have like that, the, the over-the-top, uninhibited white racist character, you know? You know that guy, he's a guy like, uh, he's supposed to represent all the white evil, you know? He's like the dude they always have like screaming during the movie trailer. They'd be like, they were the first all-black swim team. Get out of the pool! He's got like a big vein in his forehead. He's just screaming shit, look, not even looking around, you know? Dude, it's ridiculous. Real racism is quiet. It's subtle. People look around first. To make sure that, you know, to make sure the coast is clear. There's disclaimers, like, dude, you know I'm not racist, but uh, these insert group name followed by fucked up conversation, right? That's how it goes down. It's not just some guy just standing up there. There's Negroes in the pool. Do you approve of this? I work at the bank. Can I be fired immediately, please? I'm just saying, can you just make the shit, like, believable? You know what the honest thing is? Those movies, they're starting to give me a complex. You know, because anytime they do a movie about a group of people that thinks dumb shit about another group of people, it's always like white dudes. So it's like, are white dudes the only ones who think ignorant shit about other people, you know? No Mexican guy ever walked up to somebody from India like, dude, what the fuck is that? Is that like itchy? That bug you? What is it? White dudes the only ones walking around. Why, you guys don't eat cows? What are you, a bunch of fags? Well, then why are you wearing sandals? This guy's wearing sandals. This guy's a fag. You know, just balance the movies out a little bit. Like, just have some of the evil shit that black people say about white people, you know, when, when we're not around, you know? Like, like, well, what are some good examples, you know? You know, like, you know what I mean? You're hanging out, you had a rough day, you know? What are some of the classics? You know, what, smell like wet dogs, right? 
got headlights or something like that, right? Just, just slip some of that shit in there. Get out of the pool. Wash your hand, motherfucker. Right? Just make it seem a little more. Dude, I'm just saying, it's all the way down to swimming. I mean, where the fuck do you go from there? We do like ping pong. They were the first all-black ping pong team. They're gonna steal the paddles. Denzel Washington. <laughs> My daughter's not playing ping pong. Oh yes, good old Bill Burr. All right, we are down to number forty-eight. Been into this band. I got into him probably for the first time around 2002, three, somewhere in there. Uh, it's funny because I didn't realize that it was just one person. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because there's no way I can. So, But it is a one-man project, and it's funny because the first full length came out in 96. Uh, but apparently a lot of demos and stuff, he dates back with this project all the way to 89, so that's kind of cool in a lot of ways. Um but uh, the first record, which was In Their Myth, Ricky Farah, uh, I don't even think I pronounced that right, but, you know, they're out of, uh, he's out of Germany, plays a mixture of Viking black and folk metal, really good band. Uh, obviously, I think once Heraldine the Fireblade came out, I really began to really, really enjoy their releases. Most of these releases are all, like, high marks from Metal Archives and stuff like that. Except for the record that I really like more than all of them, which is the 2013 release of Asa, uh, which came out in 2013. And uh, I really love that record. That was one of my favorite records from that year. Still a very popular rec record for me. And even the music uh, that comes off, it, including this track that it pulls off of it, uh, is kind of mind-blowing to me that it gets, it's only got like a 75% rating. And it has between three reviews on there and archives so I'm a little surprised there the, the act the band is still active uh so he hasn't played anything out in quite a while so I don't know uh what's going to happen with that in the end uh, that's a bit of a long time I mean from 96 to 2011 he did five full lengths so he was busier during that time but that could be also that you know black metal in general like there's still black metal being made obviously but I think from like the late 90s to mid to late 2000s was when I was at its highest, you know, and especially for me, I was soaking up a lot of uh, black metal during that time, just trying to discover different bands, and his project was one of them. So Falcon Back uh, from the album Asa coming in at number 48 is Beloved Feral Winter, and I know that even Necro likes this track, so enjoy. Here we go with some Falcon Back.
is anime from Darken and you are listening to the Holes of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. We go on our event, we're going to see a concert and we're going to see Metallica live. Now, yeah, I totally tricked my wife. You know, I, I played the slow song. Nothing else oh, I like that song. It's not so scary. Yeah, see? They changed. They evolved. <laughs> so we get to the show, all right? And we get there. We sit out. I forget. I'm, I'm domesticated now. She's like, is there a brochure? I'm like, all right. <laughs> We're looking around the stadium, brochure, whatever. Now, here's when you know you're too old to be going to concerts. First of all, the name of the bands is already a tragic mistake. Here's the opener. So you ready for this? Just the names. Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer. Okay. All right. Did you hear? All right. Did you hear that? You hear that? You hear that? Let me tell you something about Slayer fans. They, they are, that was the scariest time of my life when the Slayer fans showed up. That's the first time I feared my own race. I'm not even kidding you. I feared my own race. They look like the extras from Lord of the Rings. Right before Slayer came out, someone came out and... <laughs> they came out of nowhere, under the ground, tattooing their faces. Slayer! Slayer! We're here to witness Slayer! And I'm, I'm hovering my wife, like, everything's gonna be okay. We're only gonna be on for like 15 minutes. gonna be safe so Slayer's about to go on right before Metallica the lights go out now I forget I'm domesticated so when the lights go out of show I still get that giddy feeling <laughs> show starting <laughs> cause I'm used to you know beauty and me why are they so mean to the beast they don't get better daddy So, <laughs> so the lights go out, and I hear, and I, is there a train coming? And I turn around, and there's about 500 Slayer fans, and they're heading right for the stage, and they're not using the aisles to get there. Oh. are being flung, people flying up in the air. And I looked at my wife like, every man for himself. I don't... Jeff Brewer. Jim Brewer, excuse me. Another great, funny uh, comedian. 
All right, where are we at now? We are at number 47. Getting there, folks, getting there. All right, so uh, this band, um, been around since 2008, out of the UK, uh, described as folk power metal, but they have another name for them, uh, for bands like this, called pirate metal. And uh, I can't remember when I first heard them. Uh, I'm sure I heard some songs during that time when they first started, just maybe didn't click right away, but... Uh, I think in 2017 when I heard No Grave But the Sea is when I kind of really took notice of some of the the lyrical content because they're all about drinking, humor, pirates, adventure, stuff like that. So, Alestorm, uh, not to be confused with Hailstorm, right? Alestorm out of the UK is great, fun metal. Uh, just a lot of fun. But this track both lyrically uh, and just the way that it's written and arranged is hilarious. Like, it's fun. And uh, I almost call it, like, my anthem sometimes because, like, when you just want to tell the world to fuck off, this is, like, the best song that you can play to, to relate, to convey that message to people that you just don't care about. So at number 47, here is Alestorm with Fucked With An Anchor. Fuck you, you're a fucking wanker We're gonna punch you right in the balls Fuck you, with a fucking anchor You're all cunts, so fuck you all Fuck you, you're a fucking wanker We're gonna punch you right in the balls Fuck you, with a fucking anchor You're all Strange voodoo magic on me Now when I speak It's rather absurd 
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Frank, I'm thinking about moving to another swamp. Oh, really? I'm just not comfortable living in a swamp where assassination attempts are taking place. Uh-huh. Every loon with a vendetta, every snake with a sinus headache frightens me. I could get uh, jumped by some crazy weasel or something, mm-hmm. you know? Hey, it's gonna... Snap out of it, Louie. Who are you trying to kid, all right? Everybody knows it was you. Me? What was me? So you were the one who tried to bump off the frogs. Oh, Frank, are you back to... It was the ferret. His paw prints are all over the place. Oh, what, Louis, what else? You, you hired that ferret. Hey, I object. Oh, but really? I, I had no motive. No I love Budweiser and I love the frogs. You love the frogs? Yes. I consider them good friends of mine. Oh, Thank yeah, you. Oh, yeah, you're good buddies. I oh, forgot. Hey, hey, excuse me. If you would remember last summer, mm-hmm. I invited them to that barbecue. Yeah, well, Louie, you wanted to cook them at that barbecue. But at least I invited them. Oh. You wouldn't have invited them at all. No. Look, man, he tried to invite them. All right. Getting down to number 46. Grew up uh, myself, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, a big Testament fan. And um, around 2000 or 2001, guitarist Eric Peterson went and created another project, a side project, to his Testament band. And... uh, his side project was more of a symphonic black thrash band. I, I think it's more just symphonic black metal. I don't hear too much thrash in Dragon Lord, but uh, certainly his influence being a, in a thrash band testament will kind of be brought into some of that. But uh, they put out three albums over the course of the last 20 years, and obviously. Eric's main focus is on Testament, but like I, I was actually pretty impressed that he created uh, Dragon Lord, and I didn't really realize he had a like, kind of a love for black metal in sense. Uh, but uh, in fact, their last release, 2018, was Dominion, which was really pretty good. Uh, black Wings of Destiny is really good, and even Rapture, the debut, uh, despite not being as far like that was more like their feeling ground when he came out and did that record so black wings and dominion certainly are stronger efforts uh with this project however uh the track that i constantly listen to the most is off of the debut rapture and um what makes it even more fun for me because as i'm listening to the record and listening to this particular song i'm reading the uh lyrical liner notes and realizing that it's actually written about um a movie or a book so the song is called spirits in the mist and as i'm reading through it i'm like well this sounds a lot like 13th warrior and certainly it is like you you get in there to hear the lyrics of this song you understand that it's really about that of course 13th warrior is based off the uh i forget the author's name but it's um the book's called eaters of the dead and uh, if you ever saw the Antonio Banderas movie, 13 Warrior, which is a really, really underrated flick, uh, this is certainly a song that's based upon that premise, and uh, I really love that about this. So, uh, yeah, so credit to Eric. Um, probably if I ever had a chance to interview him, I would ask him a little bit about his feelings on the movie or the book 
and how he decided to use that in a song. But uh, here it is, Dragon Lord at number 46 with Spirits in the Mist.
Zobo with the Bandy Thorn. You're listening to the Hordes of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Pump it. Hey! Your cell is limp! Like your dick! Watch your language in front of the lady, punk! Jeez. <laughs> You were saying? Hey, Gilligan, did you eat the skipper? You better pray to the god of skinny punks that this wind doesn't pick up, because I'll come over there and jam an oar up your ass. Eat those creepers. Those guys keep interrupting us. I'm sorry about that. You were saying about the, um... Hey, lady, look out! There's a fat whale on your bow! Yeah! Free Willy! <laughs> Listen up, you little spazoids! I know where you live and I've seen where you sleep. I swear to everything holy that your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you! Fuck yeah. Tommy Boy. Great, great comedy movie. Never seen it. Check it out. The late, great Chris Farley. Uh, okay. Now we're down to number 45. And, uh, interesting thing about this band... I picked up their record in two or not two that I picked up their record in 1990 called Como Souls and didn't think much of it. It kind of you know at that time I was about 20 and so even though I'd already gotten into thrash and death metal by that point, uh, I'd heard enough about the band to pick up the record, but I didn't really latch onto it. Uh, so it kind of reminded me at the time when I first heard Slayer for the first time. So dating back to like 85, I think, when I picked up Haunting the Chapel on cassette. Didn't really care for it. I gave it to somebody. Should have kept it, but I just gave it away. Thinking that I wasn't really going to get into bands like Slayer or anything like that. It just didn't click. I was still very much in the rock scene at that point. Kind of not like... Like even before I heard Master of Puppets, like haunting the chapel i was like is this really is this what people like and i'm like yeah you know just so i let it go uh now coma wasn't quite as raw as that but i still kind of like you know just didn't really click and then in 2001 when creator released uh, violent revolution that's kind of when i kind of started spending more time going back uh through their catalog even to their first two records which are deemed like metal classics or their first three records really so you got endless pain pleasure to kill and terrible certainty so this band was certainly considered one of the pioneers of german thrash and uh so violent revolution of course kind of kick-started my re-interest so i still had coma souls at that point and uh so i, I think i had Inorama too at one point so Started checking out. Those aren't even some of their better records, but I mean, Coma is pretty good. Uh, going back and looking back on it, but I think my favorite track really comes off of the album Outcast. I'm sh I'm pretty sure that's the record. I didn't double check it, but when it comes to Creator, uh, they do a fabulous cover of Maiden's uh, Number of the Beast. In fact, but. This track is called Phobia, and it's a video I saw on MTV, probably Headbangers Ball or something, and I just, it really clicked. It's something I play a lot uh, from Creator, but I, there's a lot of tracks you can choose from. But this is certainly one of my favorites, and at number 45, it's Creator with Phobia. Phobia. <laughs> 
Patrick from the Canadian Thrash Metal band Reanimators, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Um, where am I supposed to sleep? On the air mattress. Do you need a stuffed animal? I have a dog. I think I have a bear. Yeah, I have a bear. What are you, eight? At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a fucking sweet car. My roommate said they're gonna get me rims for Christmas. Or a CB radio. I can talk to other car beds. That'll be hot. Alrighty, righty, right, right, right. Getting down number 44. And, uh... Back in the 90s, before the age of the internet, you know, most of my... I guess my browsing or taking a chance on music, probably much like a lot of you, uh, was through magazines. So you'd pick up like a pit magazine, a Metal Maniacs, whatever, and you'd see what's the articles with the bands, the interviews, and also what advertisements for new records were coming out. And that's really where I picked up or took chances on bands, like even if I had never heard them. So like, you know, whatever it is, like I would say, oh, okay, this looks cool. Let's, let's get this. And, uh, so I did that in 96, and this is also shortly before I took chances on bands like Emperor and Demi Borgir, and uh, I saw the, I guess it was, <clears throat> I guess it was basically more of, I can't remember if it was like an interview or just like an advertisement, I think it was just an advertisement. Uh, going by the name, the album cover, the description, uh, was for uh, Cradle Fields Dusk and Her Embrace. And so, like, I was like, well, okay, this this seems interesting because it's got, like, some vampire. I saw, like, another release before that, the Principle of Evil Made Flesh, a couple hot chicks, vampire chicks kissing, and it was blood on themselves. And so, you know, it was looking interesting. And I thought, okay, well, let's let's give this a whirl. And certainly... The album was cool. Uh, one thing, I was talking with my mechanic yesterday because I went to get my oil change and whatnot, and we were discussing Cradle a little bit. And, you know, we have our pros and cons about Cradle, especially with Danny Phil's vocal style. And, uh, you know, I said to him, I was like, you know, the thing about Cradle Phil and Danny is I enjoy the band, but I can only take them in, like, small doses. Especially the older stuff, because, you know, Danny has this, which is like a, considered a banshee screech uh, in his vocal style. And, uh, but it, it set him apart from a lot of bands around that time. And even though most of their stuff within the last 20 years has been more goth oriented, like he's kind of laid off the screeching a little bit. I don't know if it's due to age or just uh, the style of music they're kind of going with, but, and it's still very good. I don't it doesn't really, in fact, it's sort of easier to take modern Cradle, like, as far as, like, listening over some of the older stuff because of that particular, pro, you know, vocal style. But certainly Dusk was a cool album, and then two years later they released Cruelty and the Beast, which I really liked a lot, and uh, even the EP from the Cradle to Enslave, which was kind of like, uh, they did a, a video for Pandemonium, which was which I actually have on VHS still. Uh, but um, yeah, so it, you know, Danny is one of those interesting vocalists, and uh, 
Cruelty and the Beast was, a, the, at the time, a little bit easier to swallow than Dusk, uh, even though still having some of that rawness about the, the Banshee screeching and whatnot. But always the one song that kind of stood out to me was Twisted Nails of Faith, both uh, lyrically and the delivery of the music and the vocals. So at number 44, it is Cradle Filled with Twisted Nails of Faith. Mirror, mirror, on the wall It's not very pleasant to be my own For if I shall see I will be done Grant me the witchcraft of thy tongue
Hey, Frankie. Hey there, Louie. I need some new material. You're telling me. I mean, all my jokes are frog-related. No uh, kidding. I need ferret insults. You need a hobby. Hey, what do you think of this one? Hey, ferret, your mother is a prairie dog. What's that supposed to mean? Y your mother is a prairie dog. Yeah, is this supposed to be funny? Well, I don't know. Okay, how about this? Hey, ferret, your mother's a bushy-tailed mongoose. What's with all the mother jokes? I don't know. They work. Louie, if you want to insult him, say something really derogatory. Yeah, like what? Like, hey, ferret, you're slapping. Slapstick brand of humor is less intelligent than my witty, dialogue-driven banter. Well, that's a half an hour long. Well, it makes him think. It's very psychological. All right, let me give it a Come try. On, give it a shot. Hey, ferret! Your dialogue-driven slapstick is humorless and, and without banter for all. Huh? See, I don't think he understood it, Frank. Well, you didn't say it right. I said it as best I... Hey, ferret, your mother's a weasel. See that? It works every time. I heard him. I stung him with that one. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, how are we doing out there, motherfuckers? All right, got three tracks left. Yeah, number 43, and I haven't gushed enough about this band because, I don't know, if you know me by now, you know how much I love Nomos. Good friends of mine, especially guitarist John, who will go way back many, many years. Uh followed him through various projects he's been a part of clearly in 2017 when they started nomas uh this is like the height of uh the exceptional playing and writing songwriting that they've done uh john is just a phenomenal guitarist uh always has a very good vision like it's funny because he can do pretty much anything like when i talked about earlier with you know, bands that or artists that can go and do other things outside of one particular genre. If John really wanted to, because he had a project uh, some time ago, probably about 10 or so years ago, that he was doing that was more mainstream and certainly could have done well with it. Uh, you know, he fell into issues where the rest of the group couldn't dedicate the kind of time that he would need to launch that project the way he would want. Um, but he could have, but it was still a very good band. Like, it was really amazing that they had the kind of appeal to me that I thought that they wouldn't have had. Like, it's really interesting. Uh, obviously, Nomos is more my style, uh, but even within the underground now, the Nomos catching fire and doing everything that they're doing, which I'm very happy for, glad, very excited for them. Uh, they got a sturdy, great lineup. Uh, Roger, Henry, and Patrick are all great uh, musicians, along with John. And uh, with their release from last year, Consumed and I Repent, certainly uh, worthy of all the acclaim they're getting. Uh, so they're going to be a force to reckon with going forward. Um, this particular track doesn't come off from that record, even though I could use just about any track from them. Uh, I love every single one of them. They're one of my favorite bands, obviously. So at number 43, here is Nomas with Fuck You. <laughs>
salute you people of the underworld. I'm Nick from the Greek heavy metal band Accelerator. And I want you to rock hard with the Metal Tavern Show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and I hope you hurt your ears listening to a hot brand new album. Hell yeah! say, Charlie, you are an incredible medical specimen. I guess that's one of the benefits of waking up every morning at the crack of crack. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Despite all those years of abusing your lungs, your kidneys, your liver, the only thing you've had removed is your kids. Charlie gets a little confused sometimes. He's the only guy who pulls a knife on a woman who's already willing to fuck him. <laughs> I drink to that. I drink to that shit. Michael, drink to that. But is Charlie really the worst guy here? So he made a chick blow him for 30 grand. Mike Tyson makes you blow him because I said so. That's why. <laughs> DJ Nubis here with you doing my top 100 all-time favorite metal songs. Getting down to the last two now. And coming at number 42, Iron Maiden. Uh, I admittedly, and I know this is blasphemy, but I admittedly do not like the first two records. I know. It's, it's, it's blasphemy, I know. Uh, but I was never a fan of the more punkish vibe that Killers and uh, Iron Maiden had the first two records. Uh, and I wasn't a big fan of Dano's voice either. So uh, when Bruce Dickinson took over in 82, and really that's kind of like the era of Maiden I knew more because by the time, I think probably 83 was the first I actually heard Maiden. So it was after Peace of Mind. You had stuff like The Trooper, uh and stuff like that uh, out there, aces, you know, ace, flying aces. Uh, so I'd already kind of gotten used to Bruce's voice, and I remember thinking, well, I don't know, I was probably talking to some other, like, diehard Maiden fan. I was like, well, do you think I should listen to Bruce's earlier records? Like, well, Bruce is not even on those records. I'm like, really? Yeah, so, like, the band had kind of shifted gears when Bruce was added because I guess Bruce was far more versatile as a vocalist. Uh, the band was kind of going to do a little more uh, things. I wouldn't want to say totally progressive, but progress beyond what they were doing on the first two records. But there are certainly two factions to Maiden uh, when it comes to the fan base. There are people that really, really love those first two records and more power to them. It was just not my thing. Uh, but Maiden has a nice, great history. They've been around forever. Uh, last record was out. Uh, I didn't really care for it too much. Uh, Senjutsu came out in 2021. Uh, Book of Souls before that. So they really, to me, nothing's really been, I think, I think I felt I liked a little bit of a matter of life and death and dance of death was actually better. Probably the best one within the last, I don't know, 20 years for me, really, uh, in terms of 
liking a record. And then they had, of course, that that middle ground, like Priest, where they had Bruce had left for a while, so they had Blaze Bailey filling in. I never got into that. But it's kind of funny. I love watching the discussions about that era because certain people come out and say, you know, Blaze was actually very pretty good for Maiden. And it, I never really liked his voice either. Like, I, I tried even his solo stuff. I just cannot get into uh, something about his voice just doesn't work for me. I don't know if it's like a chemistry with the music that's being written and arranged or what. Um, but it just, Bruce has always been the guy for me when it comes to Maiden. And uh, so it's no shocker, really, that it's really kind of the song that kicked it off for Bruce. Even going back and watching, like, you know, stuff like on VH1 where they talk about the particular record of Number of the Beast which was the first record he appeared on and how he had to use his good voice to get that opening scream right. And uh, look, it's still one of the m most common Maiden songs that are covered by bands. I think uh, Iced Earth had done it. Creator, I talked about earlier, done it. Uh, so a lot of bands try to cover this particular track and some do a good job and some don't. Uh, but here it is at number 42, Iron Maiden doing the number of the beast. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. I left alone, my mind was blank.
this is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. So, where do you uh, work, Peter? In a tech. And yeah, wh what do you do there? I sit in a cubicle and I update bank software for the 2000 switch. What's that? Well, see, they wrote all this bank software and uh, to save space, they used two digits for the date instead of four. So like 98 instead of 1998. Uh, so I go through these thousands of lines of code and uh, it doesn't really matter. I, uh, I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore. You're just not gonna go? Yeah. Won't you get fired? I don't know. But I really don't like it, and uh, I'm not gonna go. <laughs> so you're gonna quit? Nuh-uh. Not really. Uh, I'm just gonna stop going. <laughs> uh, when did you decide all of that? About an hour ago. Really? Yeah. About an hour ago. <laughs> so you gonna get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. <laughs> what are you gonna do about money and bills and... You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm gonna do that. All right, another great movie, Office Space. So we're getting down to number 41, our last track of this episode. And uh, while I don't listen to a lot of this band's material, they've been around for a little while, going back to the 90s. And um, even though 2018, their last album, Perseverance, was actually really quite good, uh, very good record, the track I have for you comes from their 2009 release. So they have some gaps uh, within the last 20 years between releases, but uh, play a brand of brutal death metal. Uh, they come out of um, the United States of Illinois, USA, and... Uh, Band's called Lividity, and uh, this one track though is one that I play like a lot, and uh, for a couple reasons. One, it really jams, especially when it gets to be like around the 123 mark, uh, when it really kicks in. Like it's good at that point. It's like a really good vibe for a pit, and so it's really aggressive and it's just uh, fucking amazing. Um, but there's some clips in here uh, they use, and I think they're from a movie. I've tried to look it up because I don't recognize what movie it's from. Um, but I'm pretty certain that the clips themselves come from a movie. And for those that listen to this on social media, and if you connect with me there, and you know where they come from, can you just give me an idea what movie they're from? Because, or even the band, like if they end up listening to this podcast at all, like where do those clips come from for this song? Because it's downright fucking hysterical. Uh, and uh, I just it, it sounds like something I'd want to check out uh, the song is called Gut the Slut Before I Fuck and uh, yeah so I, I've tried to look up where those clips might come from by, by using uh, what's being said uh, but I can't seem to come up with anything so anybody know where this, this, these clips come from in this song let me know but this song rules and at number 41 is Lividity with Gut the Slut Before I Fuck 
I will see you all next time. I promise I won't be uh, as long with my next episode. In fact, I'll try to do uh, episode four next week uh, while I have the time, the downtime. Uh, for sure, uh, and then I'll get that final one out as much as soon as I can. Uh, to, I know it's been kind of a while, but just a lot of shit going on. But you know, we're getting it out there when we can. But here we go, and I will see you all next time. Take care of yourselves. Um, don't get me wrong. Sometimes, yes, I do make tender love to women, but some women, you just got to put your knee in their back, get your hands on their ears. You know what I'm saying? Brace yourself and just ride them down. My dick is big. My dick is as crooked as a roach leg. A lot of women find it uncomfortable. I need to know how you stand with that. Are you fucking retarded?